0: All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast, your go-to podcast for everything deer hunting gear related. Today on the show, I'm joined by Jeremy Dinsmore from the Antler Up Podcast. Jeremy and I met at the Great American Outdoor Show thanks to a mutual friend, Aaron Hepler, and I knew right away that I had to get him on the podcast to talk about his gear setup. Jeremy spends most of his time on Big Woods public land in Pennsylvania. In those scenarios, you have to be efficient, you have to be quiet, you have to be lightweight, and Jeremy gets himself in a lot of instances where he needs to pack out an animal. He needs to be able to carry a lot of weight. So we break down his pack choice, which I know is a hot topic. There's so many different great options, but we get into what Jeremy chooses for that. It's a really good conversation. I enjoyed it a lot. I learned a lot, and I hope you guys are too. I got to thank all you guys for tuning in. Listen, next week, there is going to be a huge announcement from Exodus. We are extremely, extremely close to letting the cat out of the bag on a new product release. So it's going to be a first edition run. You aren't going to want to miss this. If you haven't already, please sign up for the email newsletter and Make sure next Tuesday to tune into the Exodus podcast because on that podcast it is going to be released first. I of course will have an announcement on mine as well, but listen, you're not going to miss what's coming from us at Exodus. So, make sure you're signed up for the newsletter, tune into the Exodus podcast next Tuesday and you will see what we've been up to for the last year or so. It's been a wild ride and this podcast has helped us out a lot. And you'll see why. So with that being said, let's get into this podcast with Jeremy Dinsmore. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jeremy Dinsmore of Antler Up Podcast. Jeremy I hope I didn't butcher your last name too bad there.
1: No, man, you got it right. And it's usually me saying that on the other end, being the podcast host as well as uh, being a school teacher. I'm that guy that's like, hey, Aaron, hey, where you at? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man, you got it right. Thanks for having me on, dude.
0: Yeah, thanks for thanks for sitting down with me. I, I had a blast recording with you and Dimitri on the Antler Up podcast. And this has been something we've been wanting to do ever since we met at the Great American Outdoor Show. So I'm happy to have you here uh, to get everyone kind of introduced to you give us the I like the way that you guys did the baseball card so give us kind of the the Jeremy Densmore baseball card.
1: Yeah man so uh, grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania just outside of Hazleton uh, and grew up hunting pretty much my whole life was always on my dad's coattails as a young kid even before 12 years old and always love when he'd bring home a deer or like a a pheasant or just whatever it be just always uh loved the outdoors basically growing up and played sports my whole life as well so once i became 12 years old and had the opportunity to to go out hunting with him for the first time it was like my first year was with him and then after that it was you're on your own i'm going to pick you up at the tree stand at this time and you know don't be afraid of the dark so i learned pretty quickly uh you know how how much you uh, could really get lost in your thoughts at a very young age being in the woods with alone but man i just uh, grew up always just hunting with him and it, we were lucky and fortunate enough to hunt private land we hunted a little bit of public land when it came to bird hunting basically but once it came to whitetail we hunted a lot of private and it wasn't farm or ag or anything like that it was big woods it was a, it was a mountain and we still hunt there to this day and uh you know, as as I got older and sports became a really important part of my life, and obviously girls and everything like that, it seemed that hunting took a little bit of a back burner until really, honestly, after college and met my my future wife, who I'm married to now, will be ten years. Uh, that's when it got kind of rekindled. I would say about like fifteen. I would say a little bit 15 years ago because I was a freshman in college and I went home and I had success that ra- rifle year and I was like okay this was awesome it was a nice buck at the time and my sophomore year baseball season was like in the fall was rolling around so I didn't get a chance to go home as much and then as the years progressed right after graduation uh, I started working and life got busy there for like two two years uh, and but I was able to still go in during rifle season and And I loved, always loved archery hunting. So that kind of got rekindled once I was able to afford a bow again. And man, ever since the last seven years, it's been like no looking back and started antler up outdoors just to, you know, honestly, just because I love growing, being an educator and being in education pretty much my whole life, I selfishly wanted to continue to learn because, you know, even though we hunted private land, we were seeing deer and, and having success. But... I really was like, I love archery hunting. That's when I wanted to to get it done. And I just continued to grow and kind of was like, you know what, if we could foster learning, why not start something where we could help others foster and enjoy the process throughout it all and have great opportunities to meet awesome people. And, you know, I'm, we're very fortunate and lucky to to have done this and continue to do it for now over two years. So, uh, man, it's kind of, it's really neat just the, how life has come full circle for us of, you know, hunting was a a thing that my dad and I did growing up and our relationship too, as I got older, wasn't the greatest, but like now I talk to my dad every single day and, uh, I look forward to getting text messages of our trail cam photos like daily, (laughs) especially now in velvet season. So it's, it's just really neat, man. and very blessed to, to have this opportunity for sure. Yeah, man. Love that. Would you
0: consider yourself a gear guy? Oh, no doubt about it. <laughs> that's what that's what we talked about a little bit at the Great American Outdoor Show. So, this is going to be a good one, guys. So, buckle up. Jeremy, if people were logging into Mortal Kombat and they're choosing you as their character, what are what are three words to describe your hunting characteristics?
1: Oh man, mine would be I would have to go for like three words, man. I I know Mortal Kombat. I don't know if this would be really good for that, but i I definitely would be labeled now uh, quote unquote, that mobile hunter guy. So I would be having like some sticks and something like as a weapon as a finish him situation there. Um, but perseveres, you know, I, this past season, uh, I would definitely say, you know, being able to persevere through through things. So if I'd be getting my tush kicked in the, in that game, you know, I'd be able to persevere through some some tough times. Uh, and the last one, I would probably say I'm that overthinker, you know, like just, oh man, I, it's funny. I'll, I seem to, uh, especially my dad and, or I'll talk to other buddies and we, when we go through either the night before a hunt or a couple of days when we're looking at the weather and we pull up maps and I'll send, send each other things. I'm like, I think you, this would be a good spot or Hey, remember this or, and it always just seems like if there's a camera there, uh, it it really bites us in the ass that we didn't do that or they don't do that and I I tell them to do it but I overthink my situation basically and yeah man the I'll have to send you a photo but last October I think it was like the 27th it was a Monday and I talked to my dad that Sunday and he had his knees replaced so last fall or actually last summer so he had like all fall off so he was hunting a ton and he saved some good spots and I had a a, a nice spot up up on top of our mountain. I said, Dad, we I've been getting a couple bucks up there. I think a, a big boy's gonna come up through. And it was right before our bell rang. Our bell rings at 840 in the morning for school and it was like 838. And ding on my watch and I see, you know, your tactic cam reveal has a has a new photo. And I just randomly just looked and I just, my eyes went bugged (laughs) Said the Pledge of Allegiance. I went in the back room. I said, class, give me a minute. And I called my dad because the night before I said, go in there. He goes, yeah, I think I'm going to. And as, as I'm, I'm calling, I'm anticipating him to be like, Hey, what's up? You know, be whispering in, in, in the phone. And he's like, Hey, Jared, what's going on? And I'm like, Oh no, I'm like, you are not in the tree where I told you. He goes, no, why? And I said, dad, you're going to you're gonna kick yourself when I send it to him. My dad never curses. He's not, and he's like, "You gotta be shit," you know. Just going. Nuts. <laughs> so I'll I'll send you a photo. This probably honestly, Cam, that was the biggest deer to date we have ever had on camera up on that area. He's a uh, he's a nice buck, man. It it it's pretty cool though that uh you know, but yeah. So I would say persevere and not overthink. And I'd I'd seem to be the lucky guy to tell you what to do, but. And then, but for me, man, I'm, I'm constantly like, ah, I shouldn't go there. I should go here. So that's, those are my three traits for sure.
0: Oh man. If, if, if you're running cell cameras, they are like the biggest blessing, but the biggest curse at the same time. It's like you're sitting in your stand and you're like, Oh yeah, this is going to be the spot. This is where I'm going tonight. And then ding over at your other spot. There's that, there's that buck you're after. Did that buck survive? Do you know if if he's still alive?
1: He did, man. And uh, honestly, I've, I, I'm really looking forward to getting the, the render up there just because of getting better quality photos and everything. Uh, we got a picture actually yesterday of a buck in velvet uh, where he is already quite a few inches past his ears. Um, I think it could be him. If not, it's going to be at least a nice buck for sure already at this point in time. But I did get a picture of him the day after Christmas, um, actually on like a, the camera that I have down below a uh, few ridges basically so he's still around man so hopefully he uh made it through the, the full winter and uh we went looking for sheds but man up there it's so hard to find sheds just because that mountain's enormous i mean it, they bet everywhere it's just because of no pre- like there is that's the downfall too of that area is that you say oh private you might have be able to have a lot more quote-unquote easier success but man it's even more difficult because those bucks they live in uh, they could just live 30 50 yard radius because they'll have everything they need. And, uh, I, you just, they're ghosts.
0: Yeah. There's no, no real reason for them to get up and move around until, until they got to go looking for a doe.
1: Yep, exactly. And that's when we see them. I mean, in all honesty, I will you, the past couple of years, I would say last year was the first year in a couple of years, like mid October, I did not see a buck on his feet, uh, but I was starting to see some buck move in, uh, especially on those cold fronts, those first ones. And, you'd be in the right spot. They'd be moving for sure. But uh, I would just always be right outside of that, that shooting range or just whatever, uh, which I think helped in a sense, just for the simple fact that it would set me up for opportunities later in the season, Uh, just because it would, might be a younger buck. It wasn't a mature buck in a sense to say, you know, probably those couple I would pass. (laughs) I say that now, but in the heat of the moment, who knows, I'd, he would be legal and let it rip. But I mean, it, it's definitely up there. It's still, it presents a lot of challenges for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope the you have plans on taking those October days off uh, to be back in that area. Yeah, so, no doubt about it.
1: Especially after having you on and talking about the historical, I mean, now I've let those cameras sit the past like year, year and a half and just seeing how buck are moving and just deer moving in general. It's, it's really coming up with a, a game plan. And I feel that I'm finally taking that like leap in a sense of like things are coming together and and piecing things together in the right way.
0: So I want to get an idea of how you base your purchasing decisions and why you're choosing the gear that you're choosing. So what are, what's your priority? Are you prioritizing weight, noise, packability? What are you looking for in your gear?
1: I mean, honestly, Cam, I think it even starts before that. I think it goes with like, is it a want or is it a need for me? Uh, and like, that's, that's probably where I like, I get in trouble with. Cause it's a lot of wants just because of, you know, let me try this. Let's see if this is better. What if, you know? But, uh, I mean, after that, man, it, I really do think it's a little bit of, it, it's all three, but how could this piece of gear make me a more efficient hunter? That's where I kind of really focus on if it's going to make it simpler, uh, for me to use or, get up in a tree or however you see fit. Like uh, right now, one of the pieces I'm using is the uh, Ultimator. It's a three, actually they come in a uh, single, double, or triple step. I got the triple step and first time using one uh, was this past like late season. I got it right when the Skeletor sticks from Tether came out in November. So that late season, bow season of PA, I've, I've used those and uh, that stick and and uh, Ader. So there, it was great. I like it because it's going to be able to help me out get to where I height that I want to get to uh, with just three sticks because now that eighter is basically acting as another stick and it's super light and uh, you're able to adjust the length of each step by just using like the cam buckle. Well, I shouldn't say cam buckle, but there's a buckle that you can lengthen and um, shorten your step if if you would like. So it's, you know, those things. So, um, yeah, man, I honestly, I look at weight, noise, packability, and when it comes to the weight thing, if it if it does have more weight, but if it makes me a more efficient hunter, I'll sacrifice that. I mean, I used, uh, I think the only stick on the market that I have never used were, uh, or, or two, I should say, were like the B sticks and the Tethered One Sticks. I haven't had a chance to get my hands to own the Tethered One Sticks yet, Hopefully soon, because they're uh, hopefully they'll be hitting the, the website in the next month or so. But I I found that right now, I mean, not to sound like a tethered homer, but just because of the functionality, the price point, and just yeah, you know, for six pounds carrying in three three sticks, I mean, that's the heaviest thing that that I'm carrying. And you know, if I'm bringing the Predator platform, I mean, that's nine pounds total right there. I'm able to get to my hunting height that I like to get to Uh, compared to running, I was running some carbon sticks in the past two years. Uh, So two years ago for a full season. And then last fall, I would say again, right before the uh, Skeletor sticks came out, really liked them. I had no issues with them that first year, but it seemed like after a season of use, I had a little bit of uh, just uncomfortableness to them, uh, whether they they weren't biting as great as they originally were, or just uh, kicking out a little bit more so, and and steps moving even if I tighten the living daylights out of them. So I just kind of I was looking for something a little bit more simpler, and you know the packability of the Skeletor sticks again coming in at two twenty five for a pack of four, and uh, you know they're hunt ready right out of the box, and that's not a lie. So. I ran those in the late season and up to this point, until the what tethered one sticks come out, I'll probably be using those again for this year. For sure.
0: I was really impressed with those when I saw them, and I was excited. All the hype, there was a lot of hype. Like tethered's going to release a price point stick. Tethered's going to release a price point stick. And when I kind of first saw, I think there was like a leaked video that wasn't supposed to be leaked and caught it quick enough and I was like, Man, those look really, really nice. And their their lock system is one of the best ways to attach your
1: sticks by far. Um I agree. I you know when you look at it, you're like, man, you gotta do this little zigzag. But once you do it once or twice, you're like, oh okay, yeah. You wrap around a tree, you make a circle around that lock and you're already in that groove after that circle and you just finish your X. It's just yeah, it's really simple.
0: And it's locked tight and the sticks come standard with like amp steel style ropes.
1: You can't really beat it. I mean, like I said, the one thing though that I will say that I really, my favorite feature of them is once you, like you pull out the bottom step, like st- a step on it and you lock it down, right? You push it down to really bite into the tree. And once that happens, they don't move. Like you don't get that two, three inch sag, you know what I mean? Drop that like most sticks you get as they're biting into the bark. These just are so solid to the tree that it it's literally like walking on steps. That's how I I mean, again, I'm not trying to sound like a homer, but man, they're they're a great, great option. And for that price, it's hard to beat.
0: Yeah. When you talk about priorities, um, I had myself mixed up for a while. My main priority was packability. So I was running the Lone Wolf custom gear double steps and those things pack down nicer than any sticks, any fixed double step sticks that you can find. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm running those. This is what I'm running. Climbing trees with them wasn't, like, ideal. It, it didn't suck. It wasn't bad, and it wasn't something that I couldn't do. I did it for two years. But once I got my hands on some sticks that had really solid standoffs, climbability became my priority. So right now I'm sacrificing packability for climbability. So the way the Skeletors kind of – pack and that climb that they're just a they're a really solid option and the price is hard to beat for like you said 225 for four you're paying 100 bucks a stick for everything else
1: yeah i always laugh i remember before these sticks came out because i never had a stick really that the, the step came away from the tree and the way the skeletor step does work it comes away from the tree and you would see keyboard warriors online, like talk about like, well, it doesn't have that feature. doesn't have this feature, not the Skeletor sticks, but just certain other sticks in the, you know, out there. And I was like, well, what's the big deal? You know, I guess I'm only a nine and a half boot. So I don't, I don't have the enormous feet of, you know, these guys wearing the big boots especially some of the rubber boots. I don't wear rubber boots, so I don't have that issue, but now having these Skeletor sticks, I see why people really like that step coming away. I mean it really does give you a little extra comfort uh, and just you know if more efficient, like I said, it's just you step on this st- on the step and my feet now don't even touch the tree until I put my foot in the tree with the ader as my first step. like that's how uh, it, it is a nice little feature on those and I think more, companies should kind of look that route. So I eat my, that's one thing where I did eat crow because that's a, that is a nice feature uh, to have for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned that you base your purchasing decisions off of wants versus needs. What are your, what are the needs? What what are, what are your needs in your eyes?
1: So I would say it needs to be like, like for instance, like when you talk in like the steps and just those things that you must have. So as a saddle hunter, like you need to have that lineman's rope. You need to have that tether rope. Like I'm more, I was helping my buddy Mike through getting his saddle set up. He's the first time saddle hunting guy. And he's like, what do I need? What do I have? And I'm like, well, like you don't need a backband up until this point, like save 40 bucks for right now. You don't need that. Like get, spend that 40 bucks on a rope, man. Like that's going to make you a more efficient hunter rather than constantly like, loosening your robe, untying your Prusik knot, lengthening it, shorten it. If, and you got you might do that every step just because of the diameter of the tree. So like, just make it a lot more easier on yourself. Like that is definitely a need compared to a want. You know what I mean? Like you might want that back, band because it's going to help it a longer sit, feel more comfortable, but you don't need it up until this point. So I would say like those type of items uh, for sure. And again, like even... Even if, if you, if you have a different stick that doesn't have amp steel, all that type of stuff, I would definitely consider using those different, whether it be the rope mod, like get that paracord, get, you know, amp steel ways to tie your, your stick to the tree, just because a buckle is a buckle. Even take that buckle off, use the buckle method. Like those are different things that I think you should do and and need compared to uh, wanting to get those. Like you should Need those. I mean, that's just the way I kind of categorize those things. But I mean, if you look at, I don't know, uh, like a hitch strap going around the tree, that's a a need, that's a necessity for sure. But you know, just other things like I, I'm trying to think of things that come to mind, like uh, I don't know, sheep feet insoles. You know, that's not a need, <laughs> like that. That's a that's a want. You know what I mean? And if if you have the money and uh, just a quick shout out for those uh, pieces. If you got uh, insurance with an HSA card and you got money in that, you could use those towards uh, sheep feet insoles. So, shameless plug for them. Yeah, there's a yeah. Little, nice little, nice little yeah. pro
0: tip there. Yeah, yeah,
1: because uh, they could be pricey for sure. So, I mean, honestly, man, that's the way I, I kind of look at it. I kind of like look at my setup, and I mean, packs. I know we're, we'll get into that's the one area where. I probably will splurge because of that packability. Like you said, I know you'll sacrifice. I'll sacrifice weight uh, just for the sole fact of if it does make more efficient hunter. Like looking at those Skeletor sticks, yes, they're not the lightest on the market, but they do everything else that I would rather have. So, in order to carry a six pound, you know, set of sticks and a three pound platform, or what? Yeah, three uh, pound platform from the Predator. I mean, I want something that's gonna like carry nice on my back and not just be like sagging and, and it's going to, if I'm trekking up and down ridges, it's not going to be comfortable and, and enjoyable to do it, putting more work into it. So, you know, I will splurge a little bit when it comes to packs.
0: Sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm on the same page there as in terms of the wants and needs you real quick. I, I want to touch on the attachment method, the tree attachment method. You said ditch the buckle. What are, what are you seeing there with the rope mods or the am steel modes versus the buckle? What, why are, why is switching
1: that out a need? I mean, I would just honestly say it's just cumbersome. You know, when you look at, uh, if you're wrapping all these sticks around, you just have, you got to buy, spend money to get silence in them, whether it be hockey tape. Even, I mean, it doesn't need to be going uh, through uh stealth outdoors and, and buying like the camp specific buckle things. I mean, the good news is those are pretty cheap however i mean save money doing that save time doing that like do use that time more efficiently heck even use even if it makes you spend 15 minutes spend 15 minutes learn how to tie a d loop like do something a little bit more efficient i would say uh, but I mean, just when you wrap up your sticks, like think of those guys that were, and I was one of them running the Hawk Heliums when they came out three, four years ago or whatever. And the only thing you had was those cam buckles to them. And when you would wrap up all your straps, it's just like you would have your sticks, but then you would have this big hump, lump of cam buckles, you know, and it just eliminates that noise. It just eliminates just any opportunity for something to go wrong. And that's what we want to have, like not to have it happen in the woods. is something to go wrong. So to me, the amp steel, the rope method really just has the opportunity to lessen the curve for something to go wrong in the woods.
0: Sure. Yeah. couldn't agree more. So let's, let's get into your setup. So you mentioned you're a saddle hunter. Uh, you do a lot of the teaching and trains and stuff with tethered. So uh, break down what you're using as of June 10th.
1: Yeah, so so right now, uh, if you look, I'm running the uh, Phantom Saddle, and it's it's funny because after running this now for three years, it, it's changed multiple times just because it's see, I see what I need, what I don't need, and okay, this fits better or what have it. Uh, so right now, my saddle is pretty basic. It's really on my left side, I have a sys uh, hauler. So basically, those are our, our pouches that we have. So on the left side, I have my ropes. And my Lyman's rope is tied through my lineman's loop. So it's always on. It's just the extras in that pouch. And on my right side pouch, I have another with my hitch strap is where I have my bow hanger on and all my other little S hooks just to hang my stuff from uh, the tree. And then my to go underneath that is my, my backband, my MVP. And the way those are in my bag is the order that I'll need them. So when you think about it, inside my left side pouch there on the bottom is my tree tether because I need that second when I'm up in the tree. And on top of that is my lineman's rope because that goes around the tree first. So everything is in, in the order that I need it. So I'm not rooting around through that. So I have my, I have one clip. So one S clip is on my right side that is going through the molly loop. And that's where I hang one of my sticks as I climb. So you know, think about it. when I get to the tree and I, I'm i exactly where I want to be, I get my sticks off of my pack or what I, whatever I carry them in. And I put my first one on with the eater. The second one is then detached. And I put that amp steel rope like around my neck or my like I, in my teeth. And I as I climb, the third stick is I have like a little mini paracord, bungee cord on it that goes on that S hook uh, on my side. So as I climb, that's uh, attached to me. So as that happens, I get to my top of my tree and I set my my platform on, I just reach behind me. Cause I do like having the predator uh, pack with me. And I just kind of use a compression kit and I use that on my backpack. So then that way it kind of creates like a shelf in between my pack and the predator plat- platform pack. So I could stick either my outerwear or whatever you see fit kind of if needed. So I just reach behind my back, pull out the platform, uh, and this is a. I know it might be hard to to see, but if you would look up, I think Greg Godfrey of Tether Tethered uh, has it posted on a video. He has some kind of tips and tricks to you know enhance your platform, uh, and i I've, I've basically what I've done is I got a Night Eyes gear tie, and you wrap it around the 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 post of your platform. And then with the extra, you wrap it around your lineman's rope. So it hangs there. So with both hands free, you're able to wrap around the, the tree, cam it down, all that stuff, and then undo that. And then you're, you're good to go. So once you step on that platform, throw, you're still connected with your lineman's rope. I'll reach in my pocket, throw that uh, tether rope on, I'm connected. Then in my right hand, I'll go ahead and put that his strap around, hang my, my bag at that point. Uh, and when I hang my bag off of the side of it, on some molly loop, I use that Doyle's gear rope hoist. So basically like a dog leash. And that's how I pull up my bow, hang it on the hitch strap. And there you go. So really basic, really simple. I don't wear my leg loops. I just don't. Uh, I mean, once you're tethered in, you're connected, you're good to go. Um, that's my personal preference. I've actually met people that cut them off. I wouldn't suggest doing that, but uh, there are times where I might actually still sometimes throw them on. But for mainly, I just, I wear, I don't wear them in as I'm walking in. And I just, it's just gotten in a habit of when I've set up, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm not falling out. And uh, right now, the one other piece of gear I would say on my saddle that kind of has evolved is I use the suspenders. Um, I know it sounds like, you know, why do you need suspenders on your saddle? But I have no ass, like at all. So when, like walking in, I used to always have to like pull it up a little bit and just all that. But the one thing, so now that doesn't happen. I don't need to continuously pull my saddle up as I'm walking and hiking in. But the other key thing with that is for peeing. I mean, you now could just stand over like on the platform as if you're in the tree stand and unbuckle and your saddle's staying on. You're still connected. You're safe. And uh, you're you're good to go on that.
0: That's a, that's a hot tip there. I've never, never you, uh, thought about that application.
1: Yeah. It just makes it a lot easier. I mean, obviously, yes, you, you know, you could move the buckle away, but now you could just unbuckle and you're still connected and your saddle is still, you know, it's just floating in air there and you're able to just go ahead buckle buckle again. So sure it's sure. a nice, a nice little feature for sure.
0: Yeah, it is a very efficient setup, very thought out setup. Um, One question I have: Do you have a rope man on your tether and your lineman's belt?
1: I do, so I I definitely highly encourage that. I know some people, I and if I were to pick one or the other, I don't honestly, Cam, I don't know which one I would I would do. Like if you had a gun in my head and said you got to pick one, I probably would do the tether rope just because I would maybe just hey I get to a tree and I would just get it as either close and I, as I can and just maneuver my way up just because for certain shot opportunities, man, I'm telling you, like once you practice and you become one with your setup, it's just the same thing. Like anything, like you become one with your bow, you become one with your baseball glove. It just becomes second nature for certain things. Like if you got to turn, like I'm, I, I, the one thing I didn't talk about was like knee pads. I do use knee pads and not a cushion. Uh, so like even if you got to turn from, a normal strong side shot in this blink of a hair, you got to quickly turn to a weak side shot and you're standing on your platform, like you would on a tree stand, you know, you got to loosen that tether rope quickly and to do that quickly and efficiently. If you don't have that, that ascender on there, you're, you're out of luck. You know what I mean? You almost got to put your bow back on, unbreak it and, and move it. You know what I mean? Like you're that's pivotal time that buck's gone, you know, or what have it. So I just, I probably would go, I would need it on that tether for sure.
0: That's how I convinced Chad to switch to a mechanical ascender was that scenario right there. It's like, if you have to move your tether at any point and you already have your bow in your hand, you cannot do it. So, yeah, I, I agree. I have a one on both. Um,
1: Do you silence those on the outsides at all? You know, so I'm running those Kong ones. Uh, I've used the rope man's like, I, I I mean, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but like you, those rope man's I think are, are missing out on so much money because if you were to get like a six millimeter rope and run it through the rope man, you're completely safe. Like you and I and Chad and everybody else could be pulling on it. It That's not going to go anywhere, but they're rated at what? 10, 10. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so dumb, but I mean, you can, you you Safely can, but I I mean, I don't, I'm not saying it. Um, (laughs) uh, So I do use the Kongs now though, uh, just because, and on on the inside of the Kong duck I do, uh, but I mean, in all honesty, and that was a piece I was just going to say, and I never really had any issue with the noise of those, like hitting it or just, just because of the angles that they're on. I mean, the only one maybe is my Lyman rope one just because you whip it around the tree and like if it dangles it might hit your platform but i again if you're cautious of what you're doing and not just you know ho hum throwing it around and letting it do that sure it shouldn't happen but i mean that's the only one i could see but i mean as far as like your tether one uh, it it should be fine
0: yeah I, I haven't messed with it uh just my I honestly don't remember if I had any issues with... I run the Lyman's and the Tether the same way in the same pouch. I only take one pouch. And I was just thinking about if you didn't have those in your pouch correctly or in the order that you need them and you're sorting through them, I could see those two banging off each other and, and causing an issue. But I don't... I never had an issue with it. And I don't think I hunted a tree last year outside of North Dakota that the tree was too big that I couldn't reach the tether or the lineman as I put my hands around it. So I, I, I didn't have any issues with throwing the tether around and banging off my sticks or banging off the tree itself. So I haven't messed with that, but that was just a thought that I'm sure there are people that do it.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. But the one thing I do want to go back on is that is those knee pads. Uh I will say, you know, I tried I forget the make of the the brand, but they were a not a hunting company, but they did have the honeycomb kind of uh, look to them. They were camo, but they were bigger and they had a lot more material to them. So they were heavy and they were, they worked good for that first year, but they definitely lost the padding to them. No doubt about it after a full season. And they definitely, because of them having more material surrounding your knee, I definitely had like sweat spots. You know what I mean? Like I did get heat spots on on my knees. And then uh, obviously Tether came out with theirs last year. And the way they're 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 made, they kind of have like a little hard shell to them, but they don't make noise. It, it's kind of, I know that sounds kind of tunitive, but they really don't. But the honeycomb feature really allows you to maneuver around the tree really well. Like the one, like it's going back to saying persevering, like I struggled this past season. Uh, as far as seeing mature deer or opportunities, like even doe, like normal public land here in central Pennsylvania, it just seemed like every chance I got or a shot opportunity was like boom. As soon as that deer would come, I was thinking it's a doe, and there it is, it's a spike. There it is, it's a spike. It never failed. And so late season, I had uh, it was right after ATA, and I was hunting out of the new uh, the elite saddle. I was able to take one home, and as I was up in the tree, I had deer come in and. Uh, weak side shot opportunity presented itself. And when I was set up for it, I had a couple branches in that way. And I was like, but the way that deer was quartering away a little bit and the way that kind of looked, I was like, if I swung around the tree, I might have a better shot opportunity. And I did. And I swung around. And it's a key thing when you set up your saddle, if you're a righty, definitely set up your sticks on that left side of the tree because that's an extension to your platform. So as you, as I kind of put my, right knee into the tree. My left foot was like on that left side of that stick and I swung around and lo, lo and behold, I had a clear opening, was able to get the shot off and dropped that dough in like seven yards, like took two bounds and dropped right there. So it was really, you know, just really key little things like that allow you to dig your knee into the tree, get a solid base Um, so I would really highly suggest looking I know they're more money, just regardless of what brand you choose compared to just getting a $15 pad from Walmart that you could just wrap around the tree. And I know there's all DIY guys out there, like, don't get me wrong, but I just find it a little bit more easier to, uh, with the knee pads. And I wear mine in just by wrapping them tight around my ankle or like, or shin area. And then when I get to the tree, I pull them up.
0: I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for knee pads, huge advocate. Are you a sitter or a leaner?
1: I'm definitely both for sure. Uh, I would probably say I sit more though, percentage wise. I mean, I don't know. I tell myself that now and I might write you an article for your website and tell you I lean more. Like I just, it just depends on, on, I guess the, the tree. Uh, But I mean, there's been opportunities where, and I, I was, when I do these teach and train tour events, you know, you say you're in the seated position, you, the thing is you have to practice no matter what you're doing. Right. So before the hunting season rolls around, like the one scenario that happened to me when I killed a deer uh, two years ago out of the saddle was I was sitting down and out of nowhere, these deer came out and uh, was, I was anticipating them, uh, but not from this spot. And I was in that seated position. I was able to grab my bow, and all I did was just slowly move, and had a nice little like seven o'clock drop shot. And uh, so, I mean, even if you think you're busted and you you are comfortable just putting your knee into the tree and just kind of sitting down, I mean, there's a perfect example of like if I were to had to stand up or just kind of leaned out, I'd, that movement for sure would have got me. But being that I just slowly moved and turned and just shot while I was sitting down already, it's, it's a great, great tool to, to have and great opportunities. You can put yourself in.
0: As we move down here, I want to talk about pack choices. And I know this is something that you feel pretty passionate about. So let's talk about some packs. Let's talk about, uh, some packs that you've tried, some packs that you may have, you would have changed some things on and then what you're, what you're settled on now.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I, started out with uh like a 10 zig bag uh and you know thought it was was the the bee's knees bought it off our archery talk a couple of years ago and you know it's like oh man that pack was only a hundred whatever dollars and it's got only wants like 90 for it and it served its purpose for sure uh but again it was not able to you know carry heavy weight you know it was not designed for that for sure and it's like man you start Using a climber or whatever, and you just start latching bags onto it. Uh, I would say, like, honestly, my first expensive quote unquote higher end bag was then the SICKA Fanatic bag a couple of years ago when that was released. And I really liked it, but again, it wasn't designed to carry, you know, your setup. Um, I just, I liked the material that it was on it because it was quiet. You know, that was again, like, a few years ago, I was going to be prior to like making sure. Things were quiet like that was my focus like okay i gotta be quiet i don't want to be making any noise so obviously in that that fanatic gear it, it was that and uh sold that one pretty quickly and then when i sold that one, oh man what what pack did i go to and then i just kind of bit the bullet and went straight in with kafaru and with the kafaru i own uh too many of their bags i have a striker xl So that is a bag that definitely has the frame to it. And I like that because where Dimitri and I hunt a lot, yeah, we have opportunities where we could drag a deer and all that type of stuff. But there were like, for instance, a couple of years ago, it was right during the rut It was the first night of our kind of rutcation that he and I had. Uh, It was kind of getting towards last light. I had a doe come under and I just... uh, you know, lucky put put a nice shot on her and she only went 15 yards. And he came down, he's like, Let's get her out of here quick. Let's not booger it up because we knew we were gonna be back in that area. We just quickly quartered her out and put her in my bag and off we went. So it was just like an easy, easy thing to do and, and nice thing to have. And with that Kafaru striker XL, I also went out west a couple of years ago. So I when I did that, so that's the bag in between was my exo bag. I did have an exo mountain gear bag. So, uh, I was running, I think it's like they're 4,800 and I, they have like an 1800, I think And the 1800, I was going to run for saddle hunting that year, but as far as like just the way it opened and it's very doable people, no doubt about it. It's a great option. If you, if you are a guy that goes out West a ton and are from the East coast and that's the bag that fits you, no doubt about it. You can make that work for whitetail hunting, no doubt about it. But I. I saw the drawbacks for my end and just the way it fit me a little bit. Uh, It worked great out West, no doubt. But once I saw it and I went in with the uh, Striker XL, uh, it just allowed me to get a camp bag. So if we do go out West or we do go somewhere, I could just bring that bag and I'm good to go. Uh, Then I saw like a need for me personally where that was a little too much. And especially when I go home and I have trees that are pre-selected, they're not set up, but they are selected in a sense. I just found that I didn't need all that extra weight, I would say, or extra bulk. Uh, so I ended up buying a Shape Charge, and that was a a nice bag for sure. I still have it, uh, and I'm contemplating of running possibly this year a, a door gunner just because of that was that shape charge is still a little too much. Like yes, it, you have you're able to put a waist belt around that. Like there, I forget what they call it, like their Omni belt or something. Uh, however, it just for my needs. Like in the late season, yeah, it's great because it's a bigger pack. You could put your jacket in there, and you're able to put my Predator uh, pack on there as well. But I think like early season, like the shape charge, I f- could feel I would use that for sure. Late season, but early season, I think I could get away with that door gunner just because it's a slimmer bag. You could cinch down your uh, predator pack on there as well, and run uh, a belt so you could carry that extra little bit of weight. I just feel like that could be a nice uh, pack for sure. And I know just seeing some other things that some guys are doing, who I'm blessed to know and work with, man. Some some I think an end all be all pack could be on the horizon in the next couple of years for sure. Um, but it, uh, it's just, yeah, I, I mean, I have a, what's that called? The bandit from eblery stock. I butcher names. Like I said, I'm being a school teacher, but they, uh, it's a nice bag. It's really small. It's not like one that you could definitely lug any, um, late season jacket, you know, outerwear with, but it, it might, I might mess around with it to see if I could get it to work and you could use a belt on that as well. I threw on like a, an extra Kefaru one on there just to see how it carries and it carries nice. It carries high, which I like, uh, just because when you are saddle, like if you are wearing your saddle in, it's not kind of constantly rubbing or pulling up or down. So it is higher than, than the saddle. Um, so yeah, man, I just think there's there's so many great packs out there, but it's kind of what you want and like for sure.
0: Yeah, and I, I, if I ran a pack-style pack, a backpack-style pack, I think the Door Gunner would be probably where I'm at. It opens from the top, and it's slim. I think that has a lot of the features that I would run. Um, Kafaru makes a, a really good pack. and the I forget what the one pack was called, but I was looking into it really hard, and I was like, oh, this looks like it's something I would want. They don't make it anymore. And I, I can't find it anywhere it's it's more of a fanny style
1: oh yeah so uh i'm I'm losing the the name as well uh you gotta join like the Faru junkies page on like Facebook because those guys man like I think I have issues when it comes to packs and gear. there's other guys out there that are like, whoo baby, they gotta have separate bank accounts because uh if not I know if I had what those guys had, my wife would would be uh I'd be mounted behind me
0: the hellcat the, the kafaru hellcat yeah i jo- i joined that facebook page looking for one of those yep so yeah I, I see i mean yeah those guys are nuts those are some pack freaks
1: yeah taylor chamberlain ran i think a hellcat uh he he may have dabbled with it last year but i know like coming into last season he had one set up and the way he had it attached to like he had that fanny pack bottom to that but then on the scent like where his middle back would be that's where he had his predator platform like he had it attached somehow um i didn't really get a chance to mess with it at a teach and train tour event when, it, when i was there with him but uh it, it looked like he had me on defense. Like, no doubt about it. Like, cause they, they were still making them at that time. And it was like limited run until X, like June, whatever. And we did that event in May and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I didn't pull the trigger, but you know, I, I forget if he ended up running that or not.
0: I, I like the fanny style just because it doesn't allow me to take too much. And I'm never in a situation where I'm going to have to pack something out. And if I am, then I'll just deal with it. And then that's when I'll probably change. Cause I'll be like, that was hell. So, um, I'm not, yeah, I I haven't found, I run the Sitka tool belt and I, I think this year I'm going to switch out the hamper for the tethered uh, predator pack because I think that's just a little bit more saddle friendly. So I think, I think that's what I'm going to end up doing this year. I just haven't found anything that fits the way I pack my sticks in better than the tool belt because I pack them underneath that bag. It's like, they're not even there. So that's that's where i'm at right now with it
1: yeah you can't go wrong like the one thing that i that's awesome about the predator pla- uh packs and everything is the module you know you have all every you can put anything on it you know what i mean you could put a bag on it you could stack your sticks on it and heck i even at one point this year i was running the little e and e pack from kafaru with the predator xl platform and i had my sticks hooked in underneath it like on those like quick Like, I'm just going in that little bit. I know I'm not diving in deep. Uh, I even ran that this past year. And yeah, it wasn't like, now I regret not buying a little like stay for that pack because I did now. Uh, It's really my daughter's little backpack that uh, Dana Monroe, when she worked for Kufaru, uh, hooked her up with one. And uh, now I threw a stay in there. I'm like, I might be able to mess around with this now. Like It might work better. Uh, Cause I bought like uh from Amazon, like 10 bucks and I just, it came with two stays and I threw both of them together inside to make it a little bit more durable. And uh, now it's, now I it seriously, it might work even for, for those uh, occasions again.
0: You have to keep me posted on that.
1: Yeah, well, I'll let you know.
0: So real quickly, let's, let's talk about your bow arrow setup. So what, what, what's that looking like?
1: So this year I'm running a uh, PSC Evo XF30. Um, I got a little TRX arm syndrome, so I'm running a uh, 27 and a half. I know you got the same thing going, uh, and it's 70 pounds. It is on that S2 cam. Uh, I know there's videos out there that, you know, oh, this is harsh or there's that dump. Uh, I'm running with 90% let off. I, I would honestly say, cause I was worried about that. No doubt about it. When the first time I shot it and pulled it at ATA, I was like, it is different. No doubt about it, but I shot it maybe. 10 times cam and after that 10 time you just like anything you get used to it so at total archery challenge just past weekend in pa or i'm not sure when this will air but like at the pa attack i shot the knock-on course with some buddies on that saturday and not once did i have like a hiccup of you know shoulder wanting to fly forward or anything like that uh it's a shooter like you know i know aaron snyder from kafaru is he's shooting the 33 version in the s2 cam as well and uh, he's saying it's one of the most accurate bows that he's ever shot. And, you know, I'm not Aaron Snyder, but I mean, I'm getting speeds that I never, ever gotten before. And I was never a speed guy. I could care, kind of care less. So as long as it's hitting the mark where it needs to go, I'm, I'm all for it, but it's just neat kind of shooting out. Like when I go up to Dimitri's, where he's, you know, he owns land. So he's able to toss it out as far as he wants. And, you know, when we get out far distances and I remember I'd, See my arrow do that nice little hump. And like now it's just it's shooting straight. It's it's crazy. It's weird to honestly see that. So yeah, running that. I got a America's Best Bowstrings on there, Platinum Series of Vapor Trail uh, uh VX on there, Pro VX on there, and uh using the stokerized uh, M1 Stasius. Um, stabilizer on it so it basically when you it connects kind of to the side so it comes out front but it also could bend that backside bends to it so it's not just like a straight bar uh and for that bow I, I like that specific because it it's holding dead like you put that bow out for me and being 30 inches I feel like a 30 31 inch axle to axle bow is is my sweet spot for sure so that's the bow man it's it's shooting really well I'm I'm really enjoying it for sure that's a nice setup yeah Arrows right now, I'm shooting the uh, 5 millimeter uh, Easton Access um, and four-fletch AAE hybrid, the 2.6s. I really, I've been fletching my arrows for as long as I can remember now. Uh, I had a situation where, you know, if you're looking to get into the Abilene or tinkering, like that is the, that's the gateway drug, no doubt about it. Um, just because I remember I bought you know, knock on arrows when they first came out like four years ago or whatever. And I was like, I'm gonna save these. I'm gonna bring them to a shop nearby so they could do them just because I don't want to mess it up. Cause I was dabbling in that a little bit. And when I picked them up, he was like, yeah, like 20 bucks. Like I dropped them off in like June. And it was August when he finally said they are done. And I was like, dude, you're you're fletching 12 arrows. Like how long does this take? And finally picked them up. And as I was talking to him, I like grabbed it like buy the fletchings just to see. And the fletchings came off. I'm like, dude, I'm not paying for these. Like, this is horrible. And I, you know, it was just a disaster. And from then on, I was like, I need to learn how to do this like really well. And I practice. And so now I make all Dimitri's arrows. I make my own and uh, some other people around in town. But, you know, I just, uh, I just uh Love messing with all that type of stuff. So five millimeters, it's a weighing in. I have a black eagle 50 grain outsert or half out on it. So uh I I'd like I know there's different opinions on it. I like it for durability, no doubt about it. Like I said, I'm not the greatest shot. Uh, you know, so if I do go haywire or for hits in the, the target a, a wonky way, like it's gonna be a salvage. I'm gonna be able to salvage that arrow and not lose it. Um just with its normal hit insert basically, but yeah i'm I'm a big fan of those they're they're a great arrow for sure uh weighing in at like four ninety uh I would love to be more so on that like four sixty four seventy five uh especially with this bow because for how the speeds I'm getting with this bow now, I mean with that much a little bit lighter arrow, I think you know people will say it may not be that much, but i i I think it would be humming
0: oh yeah, well, uh, we'll get you
1: there. Yeah, I like it man.
0: What about the, what release are you shooting?
1: Uh, right now I'm shooting the knock-on backstrap release. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, when you and I were talking on our podcast, uh, I did struggle with the yips for a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's more men, obviously it's all mental. It really, really is. And on our podcast, I know I told you, I feel like my thumb is the dumber one and can't control it more so. And I can control my index a little bit better. Uh, and I worked with my buddy, Jim Diagostino, who's part of Antler Up. And I remember the first time we, we did like a FaceTime and he was like, uh, go ahead and put your index finger over it. Just let it there. Let it there. Don't do it. And I'm, boom, I'm going, right? And he's like, just let it there. And, you know, I just... Uh, uh, got better and better and better. And this past hunting season, I used a Scott Echo. It was like kind of the one I was using before I switched to a knock to it and all that stuff. But right now, man, I really like the backstrap just because I do have it set a little hot. Um, and, you know, that little bit of pull, like I'm able to engage. Now, this is me. I like to engage and feel that the trigger is pulled. If that makes sense. So as I engage in that, then I start pulling through the shot. And I mean, like I said, I told Total Archie Challenge. I lost three arrows only. Uh, you know, I know people will be like, well, it's three too many. But at the same time, I, it, I did. I was very happy with the way I shot. And um, it's, a, it's a nice release. And the one thing, I'll show it here. What I like about it, Cam, is the way how far back that trigger is. So, like, as you're, like, I'm able to get my full finger around. Like it's not just like from here, I'm able to get my full finger around. So I could literally like touch my thumb and my index finger and literally pull through. And that's the one thing that I really like about it. There's really, I've been trying to find a normal like trigger style release that has that much depth. And the only one that I've seen so far that might be able to do it is, and I don't even know if it's released yet, is that new, uh, true ball center line. It, mm. looks, it looks wonky. Don't get me wrong. Like it's not like aesthetically, you know, looking uh, clean looking, but it definitely has a, a more farther back trigger. And it's, and it has like, this has a little bit of a curve to it. That one has a really swept curve to it. I might like it. You know what I mean? So I I definitely want to hunt with this. Um, like I said, I do have it on hot. So that way, if I do pull I need to pull quicker and, and cause a force a shot. I can, it's kind of like a hinge. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm rocking. I'm rocking the back strap. I I've so far, man, I know people I've seen on online, just, you know, like I said, being a gearhead, I've, I look on archer talk. I like to see what people reviews and everything. And, uh, I've had a pretty consistent break with these. I haven't had any issues where it's like, Oh, one time it's it's hot. Next time it's like I feel like I gotta pull through a brick wall. It's it's been very consistent for me. And I think it's just the way you you do have it adjusted.
0: Yeah, that, that release looks pretty interesting. I'm gonna have to look into that. That could be that could be helpful. I like the trigger being farther back because I have such short fingers. I can never reach. So that that could be what I need. Let's uh let's get, run down through some rapid fire questions here I have for you. So fixed blade or mechanical broad hits.
1: I think I'm more so fixed now
0: camo or solids
1: who mixed uh but if it would be camo i i really do like the first light specter pattern
0: the saddle or tree stand
1: oh saddle all day
0: uh for your sticks double step or single
1: double all the way
0: your favorite pack
1: it's one that's not out yet and i don't even own it (laughs) no but since i to go with one i would definitely say the Striker XL, just the versatility to it, being able to that with a camp bag and haul meat out and just the size of it, and no doubt about it, the Kofaro Striker XL.
0: Favorite boots?
1: Crispy Thor 2s.
0: That's Chad's go-to. Favorite individual piece of gear all around? His strap. Nice. One thing you won't hunt without?
1: One thing I won't hunt without, I would say... My first light base layer.
0: Same. Uh, what's one piece of gear you're most excited
1: about? Uh, honestly, I just uh, I would say this new release, like to hunt with it this year. Like I've been dedicated to it since 3D season, like indoor of since January, and seeing how I'm I'm getting there. It's still progress. Like it's killing me that I'm not like perfecting it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And but man, like when you have a perfect clean break and that sucker goes right where you're looking and you watch it in flight go, there's, I mean, there's not a better feeling. And like even this past weekend, just, a uh, there was a 54 yard shot on, if you, if you shot knock on, on Saturday at PA TAC, there was a 54 yard shot through timber on a, on a, uh, Fox and all my buddies and that were really good shots, like butchered that shot. And I was staring out at it, staring at it. And then finally it was my turn to go on. I'm standing on this rock being, you know, five foot nothing and not being able to see it from the ground where they were. So I gave myself a further shot and I just stared right through that Fox, man. I, I pulled and pulled and pulled and it broke and went thump right in there. And uh, it got in on the home side of things in the, in the core. And man, I was so jacked up and I was just exactly where I wanted to hit. And I'm anxious to see if how this does like when I got that deer, you know what I mean? Like I've had opportunities where, you know, I have either had that buck, you know, fever really kick in and it's like, what just happened? And I'm, I, I want to see if this slows me down a little bit and I will hopefully I get some Dimitri luck because he's really mastered at a little bit and, you know, try to catch up to hit to his, uh, hit to, to that performance for sure.
0: What's the favorite piece of content you have watched or listened to this past week?
1: Oh man, this past week honestly uh it's been slow for me this week. I would say uh even watching right now is like dead time. I watched like a Chris Beard three things that he's done that changed his archery thing and I got like halfway through my daughter was like hunting again and mm-hmm. I jumped off, you know. So uh but listen to I listen to uh, your guys's podcast catching up um I went and re-listened to the one that uh, Chad did with Tony. That was one that I I kind of went back to because, man, with baseball season, sometimes it just gets lost in in, in translation a little bit. And uh, so I'm catching up now.
0: Cool. Well, Jeremy, I appreciate you coming on here and spending a, an hour in your morning with me. If anybody wants to find out what's going on with you, Antler Up, where can they check you out?
1: Manny, uh, first off, Cam, thank you so much for, one, having me on. I appreciate it and talking gear. As you can tell, I, I could probably talk all damn day. And, uh, but check out antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We're going to try to do, I think, a little bit more YouTube. I say that all the time, but just, just gets wary and, and crazy all the time. But uh, check us out there and, and uh, man, feel free to hit us up and uh, we're just regular dudes, man. Teacher, physical therapist, you know, workers and just whatever, whatever it is, man. We just love the outdoors and love hunting.
0: Love it, man. Well, thanks for uh, recording with me. Everyone go check out Jeremy and Dimitri over there at Antler Up and we'll talk to you next time.
1: Thanks, dude.